Hey everyone, before we start the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live podcast coming up next Friday, March 8th at 6.30 p.m. at Downtown Cinemas in downtown Las Vegas. We'll be talking about the new Blumhouse horror film, Imaginary. Joining me on the panel, we've got Jimmy Gonzalez, Tom Devlin, and Nick Woods. It's going to be a really fun time. Also, Downtown Cinemas is doing a promotion. You should bring your imaginary friend with you because you'll get a free upgrade on your popcorn to share with your imaginary buddy so come on out it's going to be a great time we're going to get into this movie imaginary talk puzzle pieces have a fun conversation we hope to see you there links and information and how to win tickets in the show notes Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. But today on the show, we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, listeners of the show know that I am also, aside from being a guy who watches movies and then podcasts about them, I'm also a music composer for film. And I've mentioned a few times on the show that I last year scored a feature film called Move Me No Mountain for director Deborah Richards. And that film is now out, available for rental on Amazon, and it's making its way out to other services as we are speaking right now. Uh, And I thought, because this was a very unique uh, situation in which I actually co-scored the film with a friend of mine, Travis Lohman. We were both asked to work on various aspects of the film, score, And I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to talk a little bit about the process of scoring this film, since we have two of us to talk about it. So we have a little conversation here, me and Travis Lohman, discussing how we uh, approached the film, how the process was of working on it, the process of working together on it, and uh, talking about the film itself a little bit. So hopefully it's interesting for all of you out there. And then we'll be piecing together more movies in the coming weeks. But uh, yeah, hope you enjoy this conversation coming up. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And of course, if you do like the show, make sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or wherever it is that you're listening. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And join the Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And uh, with that said, I will have a link in the show notes to where you can find Move Me No Mountain. Uh, We won't get into any spoilers on this one. You know, we usually do spoil movies while we're talking about them. But since a lot of you maybe haven't seen this film yet, we're not going to get into any spoilers in the conversation. So I do recommend that you go check out the film. And uh, you can either do that before we continue talking or when we get to the end. uh, Go click the link, rent the movie, watch it, and support independent films. Now let's talk about Move Me No Mountain. All right, Travis Lohman is here. We are going to talk about our experience scoring this film, Move Me No Mountain. Travis, how you doing? Hi, David. Thanks so much for having me. It was awesome collaborating with you on this project. And it's just really cool to uh, finally get to talk to another composer on like a podcast type thing. This is awesome. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I always thought maybe you'd end up on one of our episodes, and uh, you know maybe you still will on a regular episode. But I just mm-hmm. thought this would be a fun thing to do. This film, Move Me to a Mountain, just came out. It's on Amazon Prime, and uh, it's rolling out to various services. And this was the first time I ever had to collaborate with another composer, and so I thought it was Correct. like a perfect opportunity to just straight up talk about composing here on the show, which is something I don't usually do. Uh, but just to give people listening who don't know much about the film yet, uh, it, it's it's from writer-director Deborah Richards uh, and stars Kat Lilly as Jenna Anderson, who is a real estate agent who, after a tragedy, goes into kind of a downward spiral and ends up living homeless uh, on the streets and underneath the streets in the tunnels of Las Vegas. And yes, this film just came out. We worked on it last year. It actually had a... Uh, an early screening at the Nevada Women's Film Festival last year, which we both attended. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's the first time I've ever collaborated with another composer. Uh, so before we start really getting into the film and about what yeah. we did while while working on it, uh, tell my listeners a little about you and what you do other than, you know, just composing in general. Yeah, so uh, I started music at a really young age. I started uh, playing piano at age four and uh, did that and orchestra throughout high school. My musical endeavors right now include uh, doing my church gig on Sundays. I do uh, composing both uh, for educational music, library music, and then I'm also teaching string orchestra as well as a, uh, as a day job. You're about to get a uh, a side gig, uh, you know, trying to get me to do more library music. Uh, as, as I always tell you, I uh, you you really need to get me back on track. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I we've obviously you know we've hung out before. We've gone to movies. We went to see Hans Zimmer a few years back. That's right. Like, yes, I still yeah. have that ticket stub. I still have that ticket stub. It's all faded, but yeah. I still keep it in the wallet. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of people working in Las Vegas composing for film. And so, you know, it's, it's no. always been cool to get to Correct. hang out and chat with you and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, th- this film, Movie No Mountain, I had worked with Deborah on a previous film uh, called, called Dark Lights. And uh, it was a short film and kind of this like vampire junkie kind of thing. It was like very, very interesting, very dark, certainly uh, up my alley with the kind of stuff that I do a lot of the times. Right. Uh, but when, when, when she first contacted you and said like, you know, we're also going to be working with David Rosen, which obviously we knew each other for years at yes. this point. Like yes. what was the first thing that came to mind for you that we're going to be like working together on a film finally? I mean, I thought that was really awesome. You know, my, my first experience working with Deborah was the uh, uh, Send Hollywood My Love, the um, the short film that she did. Uh, I forget when. I want to say that was like 2014 or 2015. I could be wrong about that. That was yeah. more of a jazzy-ish type score on my end, which was really, mm. really cool. Obviously, we come from some pretty unique musical backgrounds, the two of us. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, when we're working together on this project, you know, it was unique to see like the planning process of who was going to take what scenes or what music would fit better where, you know, I thought that yeah. was really nice organizationally to be like, I want David to take like I think you did all the scenes that were kind of like the more present day ones. Right. And I right. did the more flashback past ish ones. Um, that was kind of nice to, uh, you know, see this like a passage through time about like have the different musical styles kind of overlap through each other. Yeah. And it made a lot of sense. Like you said, like, because you're 
you know, style that you kind of tend to gravitate towards? I mean, obviously we both do a lot of different things, but what you gravitate towards totally made sense for those flashback scenes and what I tend to do, you know, made sense for the current scenes living on the streets and all that. So it it really made sense in that way. And, uh, I, I think that like, approaching this film like really from from the get-go like after we both first got those phone calls we went over to her place and we all kind of sat with some popcorn and and watched the film yeah yeah and that was like a cool experience like it's weird i've scored like i've scored like six or seven features now and like 40 or 50 short films and yet i've was never this the had first a, yeah was this it, the first spotting session ever yeah, yeah first one it is like yeah. it it made a lot of sense to do that Wait, how about you have you had to do those before i think maybe for one short film i did a spotting session uh but this was like the first feature film that mm-hmm. i've had a, oh, is that right yeah I, I think so first feature film that i've done a spotting session on um the uh, the very first feature film I ever worked on, it was kind of already like the director had already uh, given me time codes of where music was to begin and end. Like everything was already listed out like that. So that, mm-hmm. that was different too. But this is, I, I don't know, I like this more because it's more hands-on. I get to sit there and be like, okay, this is happening when, okay, we want music to start here and end here. Another key starts here, you know. And um, thinking about different styles and... Uh, moods as well in real time i think that helps a lot yeah absolutely we we obviously we had that that spotting session to discuss some things and then there was also some temp tracks that we were like kind of using as a little bit of of guidance but like aside from those things like once you actually brought the film home and sat down in your studio and started writing music like what what were the first things that uh kind of you were trying to connect with with the story and with the character and with what was happening on screen so for me, like, especially for a lot of these are flashback sequences, um, I'm trying to connect with just like the emotional arc of our main character, because, you know, obviously it's like she's gone through some pretty dark struggles, but we yeah. get to see her life before that. So you want to try to make this emotional connection specifically between her and like, you know, when she's dealing with kids, whether it's her kid or other kids, you know, um, uh, that she has this deep emotional connection to and i'm trying to bring that out uh using various instrumentation you know so instrumentation was huge for me Mm. starting this whole thing i was like okay what am i going to use to achieve this i know that i'm not going to use a lot of electronic sounds very very sparingly very sparingly you know um and then just uh trying to create themes that i could use throughout was Mm -hmm. really big for me as well you know yeah um so that was huge for me and you know we'll talk about obviously the collab track that we had to do sure um that was you know big on just trying to make sure that i can maybe reuse certain types of instrumentation and maybe add to it so um for myself you know this is where i started to divide the film up into multiple segments just to focus in on you know bits and pieces at a time yeah yeah for sure i for me like it was it was definitely trying to uh capture the despair of this character and like you know Mm -hmm. just how far down that she has has gotten and you know trying to kind of accent that and one thing like for me i guess this would like get more into like the challenges of working on this particular film but like when 
I would uh, work on something and, and send it to Deborah, and then she'd send me back notes. Like the notes were always less melody, less melody, yep. you know. And like for you, yep. you had like a very piano based, and like there's there's pretty clear melody there. But like for me, it was like no, we want you know as we want just dark and ambient and a little bit more weird, which is funny because like. I tend to work in dark and ambient and weird yes. type of scores, but I was like, I guess I was going a little bit different when I first started. But then once, uh, once I started getting those notes, I was like, Oh, I guess I got to go back to my old faithful of like that kind of a style. Uh, yeah. but that, that's what I wanted to connect with, with, uh, with the character and definitely like th there's some like existing songs on the soundtrack as well. Uh, there, there's, um, music Dave from Cruisen it. has some, yeah. Dave yes. has some. Yeah, Dave Krusen, uh Susie Quattro, Donovan uh, is on the soundtrack. Like, yeah. There's some interesting stuff, uh, you know. And I definitely wanted what I did to not like stick out in in right. any way, like stick out like a sore thumb. Like I wanted it to mix into that, and as well as with what you were doing, even though we weren't necessarily collaborating on every track, we were you know collaborating on the film. So I definitely wanted it to feel like it wasn't just like oh, there's that music, and oh, here's this music, and it's totally different. So. You know, it's definitely a slightly different approach when working on something like this that I hadn't really had to do before, keeping those kinds of things in mind, where usually I'm scoring the whole thing, beginning to end. Correct. Yeah, and I noticed for me, too, um, if I tried to get a little too melodic, um, mm -hmm. I would have to really scale back. So, yeah. you know, um, these uh, intricate melodies kind of just became like chord pads or mm. just some sort of, you know, repeated figure uh, and really more minimalist in that aspect. Um, and yeah. even if I was to create some sort of melody, it might just only be like two notes, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's like scale back, scale back. And it makes sense, you know, when you see the finished film and like, you know, again, what the character is going through, like, you know, that, that is, it is, uh, a minimalist in a, in a way, like what, what's happening on screen. So it makes sense musically for it to be that way. Correct. Um, w w you know, to jump around the film a little bit, we might as well jump to that collaborative track, the parable that, uh, we yeah. knew kind of going in, was going to be like the big moment where like Dave and Travis have to come together and kind of like figure this thing out. And, uh, obviously you did like the main uh bones of the track like really the the bulk of it and then i kind of augmented it with some of my synth stuff to kind of like tie yeah. it into all of the current day stuff happening in the film mm -hmm. uh, talk about like getting that thing started because i know that that was like kind of the crux of the film like it had to we had to nail that correct and if i remember right i want to say that the temp track was time uh, by Inception or from Inception, if I remember. Oh right. yeah, you're right. You're right. Wasn't that, it? That's, I, that's I like think. the temp track on every movie. I feel like something from Hans Zimmer is always the temp track. Right. So, you know, it's like <laughs> even just starting with that, you know, so I, I think I started with probably the same chord progression, different mm -hmm. key and just kind of finding a way to make it, um, you know, more sparse, coming up with my own unique melody. I mean, obviously it's not, oh gosh, since I'm here, I might as well, you know, but no. Oh, nice. You know, even just even like two chords. And then even that might be too much, so I start to scale back even more. You know, even just starting with that, um, 
for example, <laughs> and building from that and yeah. trying to keep melodies really like, once again, not melodic, very minimal, even if it's just long sustained notes over the top yeah. that can just hold over several chords. You know, it took, it took, I think it took a lot of tries, if I remember right, on that one to get that right um, and to nail that vibe. Uh, and I think going through all those revisions, you know, I don't think I've ever had so many revisions on a film, <laughs> which is fine, which is totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, oh, um, do what you got to do. This Absolutely. is this is getting difficult. You know, it's like version one, and then like I start using decimals because that's just me. Like I don't do version two. It's like one point one, and oh. so it's like you know one point eight, one point nine, two. I think I got to, and like finally it started to to gel. You know, mm -hmm. but laying those fundamental groundworks down for that track was huge. And then I can kind of just, um, you know, not, oh yeah, just not keeping too busy with the strings too. Sure. You know, it's very easy. And I think for myself too, it's very easy to overwrite. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to overwrite parts and then things get super busy. Sure. But you don't want that either, especially with when you see how that parable track plays into the film, there's a lot of dialogue. Like, right. It's yeah. dialogue. And I was like, I have to stay out of this. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I mean, like, I guess another side could say, like, well, all you got to do is just turn the volume down of the music lower, which <laughs> is fine, too, I guess. Yeah. But you don't want, you know, obtrusive, you know, um, parts sticking out. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's important to know where to where to hold back. And then especially like I imagine knowing that, hey, Dave's going to come in here and layer in some synth stuff. Like, you know, you you also don't want to layer in too much, you know, in advance of me getting my hands on it. And yeah, like for me, like it was like just taking what you had done, which was already, like you said, you don't want to overpower that scene because there's so much dialogue. And so I was at that place then of continuing to not want to overpower any of the dialogue. So I only right. wanted to just add just enough to make it tie into all the current scenes with all of the uh, dark synth work that I was doing. And so I, you know, just use some of the exact same uh, synth pads and, and, and things like that to kind of right. just augment it just enough where it ties together, but makes it a little more collaborative and makes it into that like full track that it is. Um, there was another scene that we ended up uh, kind of unknowingly collaborated on the high rise scene the high -rise where, scene. Yeah, yeah, where at last minute, uh, Deb was like, could you just make what Travis did a little weirder? And so yes. I was like, uh, oh, okay, let's do that. Yes. And uh, I just went in and I just, all I did really was add some like weird echo to what you had done. And like, uh, yeah. I, I almost like glitched it a little bit. Like it was, it I was think I heard bits and pieces of that for sure. Yeah. yeah it was, like, it was an interesting tail end. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so it's just like, if of, I remember, yeah, if I remember that scene, it's like, cause especially it's like, um, she's talking with the new tenants and whatnot. And then like, you know, you can clearly see like, she's kind of like out of it some after she talks about, you know, well, I, I don't want to give it away, but, um, and she's standing by that high rise and it's like, you know, you see that cut to the scenery and she's looking out the window. And I think you kind of just nailed that part with, yeah. um, adding that extra bit, you know? Yeah, because that's that's when she's first showing the signs. Also, like again, of unstable like, issues. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah, and usually on the show we get into spoilers, but we're we're assuming not as many people have seen this as the latest Avengers movie. So it's like, and we want know. them to see this film. We yes. want them to see this film for sure. 
Yeah. Exactly. So uh, let, let's talk a little bit, you know, the usual thing on this podcast, you know, puzzle pieces, talking about what movies inspired other movies. We're not going to talk specifically about the story of Moon Me No Mountain, what might have inspired it, but to our yeah, scores, yeah. like to to the music that we were making, uh, were there any films that were, you know, aside from, of course, time being a, uh, a temp track there, like were there any scores that were like in your mind when you started uh, working on this as something that had done what you were trying to do in a, in a really successful way. That, that honestly, that's a tough one because I didn't think about that until you mentioned it. I I'm going to say for myself, no. Uh, mm. But I will say that the, uh, obviously the, uh, the closer credits for me, was that Aphex twins solo piano track sure. at the end, um, which was really cool. When I first heard that, I was like, Whoa, that's new. Um, and I'd never heard that from Aphex Twins, like a solo piano album mm-hmm. or a solo piano track. So that definitely was like, well, I want to try to do that or come as close to it as I can. As far as the underscore for the cues, though, I don't think I honestly had um, any sort of like composer in mind. It's mm-hmm. interesting, though, uh, when I think about us collaborating dare i say it almost feels like trent reznor and atticus ross sure yeah i mean you know <laughs> it makes sense I mean, to like, say it <laughs> i i look at something like the social network mm-hmm. and it's like it's kind of got similar ish vibes it's got this melancholy very like um kind of uh languid piano melody you mm-hmm. know happening it's got these weird spatterings of electronics going on you yep. know so when yep. i heard that the two of us were working i was like wait a minute it's kind of like it's kind of like that yeah absolutely i and and i would say like as much as it's like an obvious answer for me because trent reznor is such a big you know inspiration for me you know even with my albums that i put out like it really is what what i was going for here because yes. like you know, one of the things that, that Deborah kept saying to me is like, you know, less music, more noise. And so it was like, there's yeah. a lot more distortion that I'm working with and uh, creating sound out of the effects on very small little bits of instrumentation and then just kind of making it draw out in, in distorted ways and stuff like that. So, so a lot of sound definitely. design, like re- really yeah. like a lot of sound design on your part. Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to score something and and hit those beats emotionally but without getting melodic like it kind of sound design is where you kind of have to go with that so right. uh yeah absolutely um from that first spotting session deborah had also mentioned to me the uh 100 tricks point never scores from uncut gems and good time uh okay that that was certainly like something kind of in in the air when i was like kind of like coming up with this uh she had also mentioned you are never really here the johnny greenwood score uh for that which um i don't know if it really got into that direction ever um but you know it certainly was something that i like re-listened to while you know getting started and just kind of thinking about the film at least so um the the other thing i would say like for me personally and like i kind of already mentioned this a little bit but um listening to some of those songs that were included on the soundtrack mm. uh the the tone the key the just the the feeling of the those vibe, songs yeah. And try, yeah just trying to fit in with that vibe was something like there's at least uh three or four scenes where where we decided my music ends 
like is after mm. a song has already started yeah. or you know vice yeah. versa started after it ended and so um it, you want to kind of tie like those things together yeah yeah absolutely right. it has to feel almost like i'm uh i'm just like augmenting that song in a way so so yeah using those songs as inspiration was also a thing that again i haven't really had to do just like with collaborating with you it's like it's not something i've had to do on other films before usually uh, you know, a, a director might say like, oh, I'm going to put a song in this bar scene or something. So don't worry about that scene, just score everything else. And, right. uh, you know, this, it was right there. And so I had that to kind of play off of, which was interesting. Yeah. So it's a lot of playing off of things, playing off what you did, playing off the, uh, you know, the songs that were already there. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's some interesting differences uh were there any other like differences in in approaching this film than what you would normally do with other films i mean i want to say that this is the first film that i actually worked in smaller chunks uh versus mm. loading up the whole film all at once yeah you know um which is easier for me to work with in that sense you know and then yeah. just making sure that everything is all aligned and whatnot um, the, uh, the other big piece for myself was the, was the Requiem piece that mm -hmm. is, um, used, um, twice in the film. And initially I got, you know, this temp track of, I, I think personally, I think it was a homage to a Mozart, uh, Requiem, uh, movement. I, I feel like it, it so is just from the get go. And right. I remember Deborah's just like, here, take a listen to this how close can you come to this? Because I think it was something to do with rights where we couldn't get that piece. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I have to recreate or come very close to, you know, this. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge challenge for me because it was, you know, just like kind of dissecting that track, dissecting the original Mozart track too for myself is what I kind of did and just kind of piecing it and reverse engineering it backwards to get something really close. That one, I think, went through um, a lot of revisions, obviously, but the instrumentation kept growing, too, because I was like, okay, I need to get a really big string sound. I need to get, like, a really, really powerful percussion sound, you mm -hmm. know? And so it started to just layer, layer, layer. Um, but uh, on that end, specifically for that cue, that temp track and just Mozart for me, it was, like, huge when I was starting to put that together. I was like nonstop listening to it, like nonstop. Yeah, no, no, that that's cool. And yeah, like it, it's a, certainly a, a big thing, like a big, like uh cornerstone of the film and, and an important yes. one to kind of like capture. So yeah, like you kind of like got to just get there. And I think like I watched you like, uh finding the sound for it like as you were like doing revisions oh and gosh like yeah that. and yeah. like yeah it really it really came together so i mean that's it's Thank uh, really you, cool yeah. yeah yeah it was always about you know make it more make it make it thicker make the sound thicker make it more full you know mm -hmm. um and uh just trying to blend all those layers together you know yeah absolutely have you uh had a chance to watch now that it's on amazon prime like versus the uh, original cut that we watched at the the film festival well so i mean i watched the uh, dis the distribution copy so okay. i did watch that um and uh it's definitely um it's definitely unique to see the we talked about this the change in length you mm -hmm. know between what we saw and what has been distributed um i think it helps the pacing more yeah i think so yeah you know it 
Yeah, and that's a tough thing. And like, like I mean, I don't think Deborah would care that we're mentioning that like this film was changing a lot throughout. Like while we were working on it, she was like making little bits and you know pieces and changes, plus with effects and all that. I mean, there's so many little effect shots she was pointing out along the way and like and the so colorizing the, the, of it the color the, 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 it's yeah. crazy how much of a difference that makes like i always i always tell people like you know what comes out of the camera like is, you know it's so different from the finished product and it really it really shows for like what we've you know what we were working with with that original cut and so uh so yeah i mean there's a lot of changes yeah especially yeah. especially when you start talking about like you know the, the weather scenes obviously the weather scenes are huge in this film that kind of get to showcase that side of Vegas that doesn't really get shown much. But yeah. when you take like before colorizing and after colorizing, that's a huge difference as well. I was like, this is a totally different film. Like, yeah. Than what I'm used to seeing, you know? Yeah. That was a cool scene too, actually, because that was like the one scene where I got to like go big, you know? <laughs> and so I got yeah. to do like kind of like a big electronic piece over that. That's like kind of like creepy and scary because I mean, she's, She's basically in the sewers at that point during a yep. big rainstorm. And, and like it you said, sucks. it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. And like, it's, it's a side of Vegas that like, I think most people don't realize exists. Like most people don't think of rain when they think of Vegas. They don't Not know like the that. And, you know, right. Yeah. 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 And it's, me, it's you know, even something. growing up here seeing that I was like, wow, how did they get those shots? Like, that's like, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you want to talk about cue sheets for a minute? <laughs> we Let's talk about cue sheets. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about cue sheets. Cause I mean, we... honestly, yeah, oh God, <laughs> I this mean, is be... the first it... time I had to deal with it really for a film. Me too. Me too. And we, 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 the reason why I'm bringing this up for everyone listening is uh, that, that we have had a lot of private conversations about this and like, be, because uh, yeah, neither of us have ever, for whatever reason had to, file our own cue sheets and so this was a really mm. interesting the fact that we're both working on this film together and we're both asked to do cue sheets it was like huh okay well let's do it and uh for those that don't know a cue sheet is uh basically you can think of it like a spreadsheet where it says exactly where all the music you made plays within the film and this helps with the uh royalties that you know maybe we'll get one day we'll see what happens but um <laughs> yeah what, what what did you uh what did you think about the process of working on a cue sheet admittedly it was kind of time consuming to go through and do it um luckily i had far fewer cues than you but still like having to sift through the distribution copy and be like wait a minute okay so my cue starts here and it ends there yeah. okay cool <laughs> then i gotta like cycle through again and be like okay wait, wait, wait. Nah, i think my music starts here and i think it ends there ish you know so um it was it was definitely a unique process for sure um would i want to do that again where i have to fill out my own cue sheets probably not um because just coming from the production music standpoint background I've never had to fill out cue sheets for those. Those get, yeah. you know, done automatically for me when things are, you know, used. So, um, but I will say, you know, having to fill stuff like that out, it kind of gives you a better appreciation of what goes into tracking stuff yeah. like this, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost as bad as like, you know, writing your own metadata for tracks and, you know, track descriptions. I mean, that, that's... I'm sorry. That's I'm not good at it. I'm I'm just not good at it. 
This I was a little better at, but I was like, I trying to hit it on the dot. I was like, wait a second. So does my music start at like 18 seconds? Does it start at 16 seconds? Okay, yeah. there we go. Well, when does it end? Like, do I say it ends like when I don't hear anything or do I say it ends when it's like, you know? So. Yeah, it's very, it's very confusing, especially like I was saying earlier about like some tracks where I was expected to score like into when a song starts and it's yes, like, well, is so that both you... of us? Like <laughs> what's going on there? Uh, yeah, like, like you said, it, it's a, it's an interesting look behind the curtains for, for us, like, because that is something, you know, a music supervisor does or, or, yes. you know, and it's, you know, the case of libraries, like it's, it's libraries that take care of that. And, uh, but I mean, you know, it is a business and it's good to kind of know what goes into that side of it. So, uh, yeah, yeah it was an interesting, uh, experience, I think doing that part of it. For so. sure. I can't wait to see those cue sheets actually show up. Is the thing. Yes. Like that's, that, that's what I'm waiting for. That's what, that's what we're going to see what happens. I, I, I can't wait. You and you and I were going to have to, uh, have like a celebration dinner or something when it happens. And we'll just like print out our cue sheets and like, you know, like hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> legitimately the first film cue sheets i've ever gotten i'll sign mine for you travis uh <laughs> same same big cursive letters right there <laughs> so as far as like um the process with move me no mountain are, are there any any uh aspects to to working on this film that we kind of didn't hit while while going through this list here I mean, I think we covered a lot. You know, we covered the collaborative aspect of it. We covered our individual process of it. Um, the emotional arc, I think. I think the emotional arc was very similar for the mm -hmm. two of us. Just the only difference is, you know, how are we going to differentiate, you know, the instrumentation obviously was huge for yeah. us. It couldn't be any further apart. Um, I... Uh, the technical aspects of scoring, I think we we covered that. Um, we talked about temp tracks. I think that's you know for those people that are not familiar with that, you know, if uh, if, if you want me to give them a brief explanation. So I mean, you know, the temp tracks are usually like if a director has um, placeholder music in a film, just kind of just hold the emotional tone, and um, those temp tracks will usually be replaced with the composer's um, original score. Um, the difficult part becomes sometimes, you know, if a director becomes too married to the temp track, it's like, yes. you know, and Danny Elfman has mentioned this many times before, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's kind of the bane of the existence of the whole thing. It's like, do you want me to completely, you know, redo the temp track and just go within two notes difference of copyright infringement? Are we doing that? Or, <laughs> right. you know, so yeah. like for, for myself, like for the Requiem thing, I was like, how close are we coming to this? Because yeah. it's like, do I plagiarize Mozart? Do I plagiarize-ish that temp track? Do mm -hmm. I strike a healthy balance between the two? Mm -hmm. You know? And yeah. You go into this gray area because I started gravitating towards the same key signature, same, uh, same, you know, uprising motif, same, you know, same, you know, chord progressions. Well, is it mine or is it not mine? You know, it start, and I told Deborah originally, I was like, I got to find a way to make a healthy balance between the two of this. Yeah. Balance is definitely the key when, when dealing with that, because yeah, like, like you said, some filmmakers, they become so married to that temp track. And of course the temp tracks like nine times out of 10 are like one of the five most popular film composers of our era. And, and so it's like, of course, everybody knows that music, everybody loves that music. And it's, it, it's hard. Like, it's hard to find that balance. Like how close do I go? Do I you know, I want to, you know, creatively come up with my own thing and, and, uh, finding the yeah. direction to go with that. But 
but yeah, I think, uh, you know, that, that was, uh, one of the many challenges, but, uh, I think the, the finished product speaks for itself. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that does it for talking about the score. Travis, what are you working on next? So I am currently, I just wrapped up five tracks for this uh, upcoming production music album that I really want to get out. So it's these five kind of dark tension crime drama tracks that I just want to, you know, because we're My very different butter. in our, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're very different in our ways. I mean, like, you know, you, you love doing your albums and stuff. And quite honestly, to put it out there, I kind of don't like doing albums for some yeah. strange reason. Like, okay, like maybe I like doing, I, I guess I'll call them, you know, EPs or mini albums, but like five tracks ish, I can call it like that, that's, that's tolerable for me. Yeah. But I mean, like you, you're like, you know, yeah, like all these albums with like 12 tracks, 10 to 12 tracks. I was like, good Lord, you know? So I've been trying to focus on that more. Um, I've signed with a couple new libraries. So I want to start doing more tracks with them. Once again, you know, three, four, five tracks, you know, call them some EPs. Uh, and um, I really want to focus in on trying to break more into the trailer music scene. So I'm doing that. I had a couple tracks that were uh, written last year that kind of got signed this year, which is really nice, but I want to up my production game even more. So I've been focusing on that a ton. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I end every conversation on this show by asking, is there a movie you watched recently that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Aside from Move Me No Mountain, of course. Aside from Move Me No Mountain. What did I watch recently? Okay. So two films that come to mind, the menu I watched recently. Nice. Yeah. And um, the furthest thing from the menu, uh, I believe it was A Man Called Otto, the Tom Hanks film. Right on. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw both of those. We actually covered the menu here on the podcast. Uh, we did not do an episode on A Man Called Otto, though. Uh, but that's also really good. They're both great movies. I forget who did the score for the menu. I, I Mark, don't know. I would have. To... Oh, no. It's, oh, it's Colin Stetson. Um. Yeah, Colin Stetson did the score for uh he did Oh, I know what it's what, what I'm thinking of. Well, first of all, he did the score for Hereditary, but um okay. I was I was thinking of last year's Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which was not very good, but that score is insane. Like it's did so Did he do that heavy. one as well? He did that one yeah. as well? Yeah. Really? That is just like a ridiculous over the top score and uh I don't know. Yeah. I I kind of had fun with that movie, so <laughs> I had to check that out. And then uh, A Man Called Otto was actually a Thomas Newman score. I was very yeah. surprised. I was yeah. like, wait a minute. And like, there were little hints. You know, there's these little hints throughout um, that kind of, they almost sound like bits of his Shawshank score mm. that kind of like show up. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. That little idea, I've heard it before. Yep. And it was just, it was a great film though. That I, I didn't yeah. expect to like A Man Called Otto as much as I did, but I was like, whoa. Tom Hanks is like, he kind of just embodies that role. Grumpy Hanks is a very fun Hanks for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Travis, tell people where they can find you and your music. All right. So for those of you that want to check out my music and such, you can go to Travis Loman Music. That's one word. That's uh, L-O-H-M-A-N-N for the last name, TravisLomanMusic.com. And then also my SoundCloud page, which is also Travis Loman Music, one word as well. And I will be posting regular updates on the blog, on my website, and uh, hopefully new music to come soon, for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for doing this, Travis. And maybe we'll get you back for a regular piecing it together one of these days. What do you think? I would love that. That sounds awesome. 
I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best pictures, some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Travis Lohman about working on music for the film Move Me No Mountain. Make sure to go rent that film. Check out what we worked so hard on and uh, support independent cinema. There is a link in the show notes to where you can rent it. And I hope you enjoy the film. I also hope you're enjoying piecing it together. If you do like what we do here on the show, make sure you are subscribed. We are almost to 300 episodes of piecing together films, regular episodes, unlike what we did here today. But uh, yeah, lots and lots and lots of other podcast episodes to go check out. So make sure you're subscribed and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And don't forget about our Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. I'll actually be posting some uh, snippets of some of my pieces from the score in there for you to listen to. And I also post uh, other things that I don't release, like as soundtrack albums, things from films that I work on. Uh, I post exclusively in the Patreon, so you'll be able to find a lot of my other work in there. So check it out. It's patreon.com slash by David Rosen. And uh, I always close these episodes out with a piece of my music, but me and Travis, our specific collaboration in this film was on a piece called The Parable, which is a, a big kind of cornerstone centerpiece of the climax of the film. So I'm going to play that, which, uh, like we discussed during the conversation, Travis laid down the main piano parts, and then I uh, augmented it with some synth work and uh, kind of brought it all home to kind of tie together both of our scores and tie the whole film together. So, uh, yeah, this is our like main collaborative effort for the film. So I hope you enjoy it, and we will be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.